Heavenly Father, we thank you, Father God, for this new day, God. Another day that we recognize that it is in, in you that we live and move and have our being, and that apart from you we can do nothing. Now, of course, we know, Lord, as we walk through this life, we can go through life doing things led by our flesh, or we can go through life doing things led by the Spirit, your Spirit, Lord, within us, God. It is our prayer that as we study your Word this morning that we will learn more of you, that we will grow in the grace and in the knowledge of you, Lord, that our knowledge of you would increase, Lord. Not that we would just have it as head knowledge, however, Lord, but that rather we would have it as heart knowledge where it affects the words of our mouth and it affects the meditation of our heart and it affects our actions, Lord. Because your word is powerful, it is sharper than any two-edged sword, and it can do a work within our hearts and in our minds that no other written words can do, God. So we approach your word with reverence this morning. We thank you that where two or more are gathered in your name, there you are in the midst, Lord. And we are gathered here in your name, Jesus, today because of you, Lord. So teach us by your Spirit. And let your will be done in our hearts and minds. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, today we will have a shorter Bible study than what I usually do. Not a whole lot shorter, but definitely a little shorter. But it's jam-packed with the Word of God. There will be a lot for us to ponder this morning. A lot for us to take with us in our hearts into the coming week. Uh, And when we leave here... Hopefully, like I just prayed, we will grow, we will have grown in the grace and the knowledge of the Lord. We'll continue on through our study of the book of Matthew this morning, so please go ahead and open up your Bibles to Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5. And we we will go ahead and just jump right on into verse 1. So Matthew chapter 5. Speaking of Jesus, it says, And seeing the multitudes, he went up on a mountain, and when he was seated, his disciples came to him. Then he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Now, I won't speak for you, but I've often noticed how contrary This world is to the Word of God, to the ways of the the Word of God. Unfortunately, though, to me, I see that much of Christianity today seems to be founded more upon things of this world than it is upon the things of the Word of God. And that's very unfortunate that even Christianity does not seem to represent what is written in the Word of God. The last time we gathered, we saw how Jesus um, combated the work of the devil by sticking to what is written. We studied that in Matthew chapter 14, where Jesus stuck to what was written, the Word of God. We also saw, though, how Satan as well was able to quote the Word of God. Today's Christianity seems to have much worldliness in regards to how it interprets the Word of God. 
rather than simply sticking to what is written. And it's important that as we continue to grow in the grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, that we stick to what is written because it's so easy to get sidetracked and pulled away from what is written and have your Christianity become about everything else but what is written, okay? You see here in verse 3 of chapter 5, Jesus speaks of something that is very contrary to the way things are run in this world and even very contrary to what is preached from the pulpit in many American churches today. The blessed person, Jesus says, is the person to whom the kingdom of God belongs. And this person is the person who is poor in spirit. Okay, again, that's kind of contrary to a lot of modern day philosophy, you know, that tells you to be all you can be and all that kind of stuff, right? That, this is contrary to that. And that word poor that you see there is in the, uh, the original Greek, a word tohas, right? And tohas is a word that describes someone that is reduced to beggary. They're asking for alms. They're lowly. They're afflicted. They're helpless. They're powerless. They're poor. They're needy. They're lacking. That's what that word expresses. That's what that word means. Jesus says here that we are blessed if we have this kind of spirit about us, this kind of attitude. Okay? This person is not proud. This person is not boastful. This person does not go around confessing and professing how great they are, right? They don't think they are to be celebrated or even appreciated. In too many cases today, pulpit preachers preach a message of worldly psychology. They tell you to live with confidence. They tell you, they tell you to celebrate yourself. Be proud of who you are. You are wonderful. You are special. You are this. You, 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 right? But this is not the blessed life that Jesus describes. In our spirit, our inner being, again, what we may refer to as you know, our thoughts and our attitudes, whatever. Jesus says we are blessed when we are lowly, helpless, poor, needy, lacking. This is the attitude that Jesus had and the one that he is teaching right here. He's sitting down with his disciples to teach them to have that attitude as well and to be like that. And if we are his disciples today, his word is teaching us to be like that. But again, this is very contrary to our modern way of thinking, to our modern day society, right? And unfortunately, it's contrary to a large portion of Christianity today. Now, let's mark this page. And I want to show you some passages of Scripture. We're going to go through the, the book of Psalms. Psalm 37. Psalm 37, okay? But keep in mind what I'm saying to you here right now from what Jesus is teaching as he's sitting down teaching his disciples. Be poor in spirit, okay? Lowly, not exalting yourself. Be humble, right? Lacking. You know, the, the, the Bible says that 
people that are led by the Holy Spirit, well, the Holy Spirit, right, willing to yield, right? You're humble. You're not looking to step on everyone else. You're not looking to get what you want out of life and forget everyone else. That's not the attitude that Jesus teaches us. So here in Psalm 37, uh, David is the writer of the psalm. You'll see there in verse 1, a psalm of David. Do not fret because of evildoers, nor be envious of the workers of iniquity. Now, you see, when we go through life thinking highly of ourselves, which we ought not do, right? We know that from the New Testament as well. Don't think highly of yourself, right? We end up being, though, when we do, we end up being envious and covetous of what others have and what we do not have because we're focused on ourselves, And we're focused on what we want and what we want to obtain in this life. And we end up looking at others and saying, he has it, she has it, they have it, I want it, right? And we end up with a life where we are constantly wanting more and more. And we also talked about that the last time we gathered, right? And this ends up stealing our peace. We end up with a lack of peace, We end up frustrated, right, angry because we're envious of what others have and we don't because we we want something, we want something, we want something, and, and we just lose our peace as a result. Those that work iniquity, as David speaks of here, are those that set their minds on the things of this world and they live out a life of getting what they want at all cost. And we should not envy them. But this lifestyle of the rich and famous is what our modern day media is all all about, right? Everywhere. It's all about what you can gain and obtain and how much wealth you can amass and all of this, right? It's constantly in our faces in this world and we should not desire to be like them because we're not of this world as Jesus taught his disciples to be. Verse 2 says, For they shall soon be cut down like the grass and wither as the green herb. And what should you and I be doing? Verse 3, Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and feed on His faithfulness. Okay, so we see in Matthew chapter 5 that we are to, we will soon see as we'll go on in Matthew chapter 5, that we are to hunger and to thirst after righteousness. And here we see in Psalm 37 that we are to feed on his faithfulness. Okay, so hunger and thirst after righteousness What do we feed on? We feed on His faithfulness. That's our sustenance. That's where we get what we need from this life on the fact that God is faithful and God cares for us and will take care of us. You see, it is the Lord and the Lord alone that truly satisfies us. He alone gives us all that we need for internal peace and contentment. Verse 4 says, Delight yourself also in the Lord. And he shall give you the desires of your heart. The question we must ask here is, do our hearts desire the right thing? That is the things of God and not the things of this world. 1 John 2.15 says, Do not love the world 
or the things in the world. If anyone loves the, the world, the love of the Father is not in him. You see, when we love the Father above all else, when we desire to hunger and thirst for righteousness, when we desire to feed on his faithfulness, we will not love the things of this world. Right? There's an old song that says, uh, turn your eyes upon Jesus Look full in his wonderful face and the things of this world will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. When we're feeding on him, when we're focused on him, when our satisfaction is in what is internal, in what, that, in what the Lord God wants to give us, the world grows strangely dim to us and less appealing. The things of this world lose their sparkle and their shine when we fix our eyes upon God the Father, when we fix our eyes upon our Lord. And when we live this kind of life, He gives us the desires of our heart. He'll put the desires in us. Because why? Because we are then lined up with His will. And that's where He wants us to be, to be in line with His will. Not our own, not what we want, not what we desire, but what's His will for our lives. And we see hunger, we see thirst, we, and what do we, we see that we feed off of His faithfulness. Verse 5 says, commit your way to the Lord. Trust also in Him, and He shall bring it to pass. Another wonderful promise there from the Word of God. The Lord wants us to commit our way to Him. Every moment you live in this world is to be committed to the Lord. And the reason we gather like this and the reason I stress and teach these kind of things is so that we will ponder this kind of thing and say, is my life like this? There's no pointing fingers. When I study the Bible, when I teach the Bible, when I study to teach the Bible, it's all preaching right at me. It's what I'm learning. It's what I'm growing in. It's what I'm trying to grow in. And then I just turn around and I share it with, with you all, right? So we, we need to evaluate ourselves always, constantly, and say, am I committed to the Lord? Is my way committed to the Lord? Is every aspect of my life committed to the Lord? So that the next step I take, I'm, I'm drawing closer to Him. And then the next step I take after that in life, I'm drawing even closer to Him. Okay, so it's a constant thing all the way up till the day I die. The Apostle Paul says, I don't consider myself to have arrived. But this one thing I do, he said, forgetting what is behind, I press on toward the mark of my high calling in Christ. He's describing a walk where each step you take is drawing you closer and closer to a high calling that we have in Christ. What, what does Christ want for us? Well, we see as he sits down and teaches his disciples, we, we learn it from the Bible, right? We want the foundation of our heart to be rooted and grounded in trusting in the Lord. And we can rest assured that when we do, He will bring success to our endeavors. Because we're, again, because we're lined up with His will. And our ways are committed to Him. But again, we must keep in mind something, right? When we think about the will of the Lord, we have to keep in mind. And I know I quote this verse to you guys all the time. But Isaiah chapter 55, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, 
nor are your ways my ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. That's what God says. We have to keep that in mind, right? That we don't know what God knows. We don't see what God sees. A direction, uh, you know, a stumbling stone in our path that we might trip on as we go through this life has a God-ordained purpose possibly, right? He wants you on your face right there where you just fell as you're walking through this life, okay? 1 Corinthians 2.16 says, For who has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? That's a question. Who have... Which one of us here has known the mind of the Lord that we're able to instruct him? Right? But, but he says, but we have the mind of Christ. You see, the born again person, that person that has committed their way to the Lord, that is seeking after the Lord, hungering and thirsting for righteousness, feeding upon his faithfulness, that person has the mind of Christ within them. But they but not the mindset of the world. And we have to pause and ask ourselves, how much is this world influencing my mind as I walk through it? That's why I, got, I, I battle to guard my mind to what I listen to, to what I see, or whatever. Why? Because I want to be religious? No, because I want to know God more. And I want to know His will more for my life. Right? And, and that's where God wants us. He wants to give us the desires of our heart. In other words, place those desires within us so that we're walking within His will. But it's when we're feeding on His faithfulness and when we're hungering and thirsting after righteousness and, and seeking to fix our eyes upon Jesus, right? And when you completely commit your life to the Lord, when you completely trust in Him, verse 6 here says, He shall bring forth your righteousness as the light and your justice as the noonday. Rest in the Lord and wait patiently on Him. Do not fret because of Him who prospers in His way, because of the man who brings wicked schemes to pass. How many people, how many people do you know that have prospered in this life? but they're bringing wicked schemes to pass. They're doing it in ways that are not honoring God. They're living in their lives. They're living their lives in ways that, 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 does not, that do not please the Lord, but yet they're prospering. And David's saying, don't look at that. Don't fret because of that. Right? Verse 8, cease from your anger and forsake wrath. Wrath. Do not fret. It only causes harm. And who does it harm? When you're angry because of what you're not achieving, because of what you do not have, what you're not obtaining in this world, and you're frustrated and you're losing your peace, who's getting harmed? You are and others around you. Now, I'm sure if you think about this, you can relate to what we just read there in those verses, right? Again, if you fix your mind on the things of this world, what others have and what you do not have, then you will find yourself angry inside. You're not getting what you want out of life, and it makes you internally frustrated all the time. And this is an indication that you're not properly focused on the ways of the Lord and His desires. And the truth is, is that we really don't want to be in their shoes anyway, those that have all that. Verse 9 says, For evil evildoers shall be cut off, but those who 
wait on the Lord, they shall inherit the earth. You see, someday there will be a new heavens and a new earth in which those that lived this life trusting in the Lord with their eyes fixed on Jesus, they will dwell in that place. But those that seek after this present day world will not be in that earth. They will not be in that new heavens and that new earth. The born again believer has an inheritance to look forward to. Verse 10, for yet a little while and the wicked shall be no more. Indeed, you will look carefully for his place, but it shall be no more. But the meek shall inherit the earth and shall delight themselves in the abundance of peace. Is that what you want? Is that what you're seeking after? An abundance of peace? That's what Jesus preached. That's what he wants us to have. Right? My peace I I give you. My peace I leave you. Right? Well, it's not found. That peace is not found in, in, in you seeking after this world and being loud and proud. But rather it's found in you being meek and humble and lowly minded, poor in spirit. That word meek that you see there in verse 11 in the original uh, Hebrew is the word anav. Anav, okay? It is a word that means much the same as the word poor meant that we saw back in Matthew chapter 5. It means the same thing. It means poor, needy, humble, lowly. We shouldn't want to be like those that seek after this world, but you can rest assured that those that seek after this world will hate those that truly seek after God. Verse 12 says, the wicked plots against the just and gnashes at him with his teeth. That happens in society today. People are gnashing at people with their teeth when righteousness is being done. If you stand for what's righteous, if you stand for what's right and you stand for what's holy, people will gnash at you and will, with their teeth, it's like, ah, ah, you know, you people doing this, you people doing that, whatever, you know. They want to get rid of Christians. They want to get rid of righteousness. They want to get rid of holiness. Conservative people that live in accordance with the Word of God, right? The Lord laughs at him, verse 13 says. The Lord laughs at him. For, see, for he sees that his day is coming. The wicked have drawn the sword and have bent their bow to cast down the poor and needy, to slay those who are of upright conduct. Right? So the poor and the needy being spoken of here is not about finances, right? but rather it speaks of one's conduct, the way you live your life. The ones poor and needy in spirit, the wicked will always stand against what is truly good, what is godly, what is written, what's in the word of God. And this world will wax worse and worse with evildoers. Okay, verse 15, their sword shall enter their own heart and their bows shall be broken. So he's saying, okay, so they're pulling back their bow, they're drawing their bow, and they're aiming at righteousness. They're aiming at those that that want to live for God. Right? And they're pulling their sword out, but their sword shall enter their own heart, and their bows shall be broken. A little that a righteous man has is better than the riches of many wicked. 
That's something to really ponder there too, isn't it? Are you seeking to have lots in this world? Lots of money, lots of stuff? Or are you seeking to have little with righteousness? Remember, godliness with contentment is great gain. So godliness plus contentment equals great gain. That's what the Lord teaches us. That's what His Word teaches us, right? So are you seeking to have little with righteousness? Again, the Lord's ways are very contrary to the ways of this materialistic world. And if you look at the pulpits in America today, in many churches, they're preaching prosperity. They're teaching how great you are, how you should be celebrated, how wonderful you are. And this is not the way of our Lord. This is not the way he taught us to be. Verse 17, For the arms of the wicked shall be broken, but the Lord upholds the righteous. The Lord knows the days of the upright, and their inheritance shall be forever. They shall not be ashamed in the evil time, and in the days of famine they shall be satisfied. Do you see here how the Lord wants to care for us? but it is to be on his terms and not on our fleshly-minded terms, right? Our fleshly-minded ways, again, steal our peace from us that the Lord wants us to have. The Lord knows the days of the righteous. He pays attention to the lives of those that truly live for him, that have committed their way to him. He upholds the righteous. Verse 20, but the wicked shall perish and the enemies of the Lord, like the splendor of the meadows, shall vanish into smoke. They shall vanish away. The wicked borrows and does not repay, but the righteous shows mercy and gives. For those blessed by him shall inherit the earth, but those cursed by him shall be cut off. You see, the righteous are to give, not, not, not to lend, but to give. That is to be generous people because this world does not control the righteous because they realize that God is their provider. More and more every day I want to grow closer and closer to that walk with the Lord to where I'm not holding on to things. I'm not worried about things. I'm not worried about tomorrow. I'm not worried about what I shall eat or what I shall put on. Right? Rather, I'd want to seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and know that he'll add to me the things I need. He'll uphold me. He'll supply for me. And of course, that's not just me, but that's all of us, all of us, anyone who will put their trust in the Lord and commit their way to him. The righteous, the righteous are merciful people as well, and they will inherit all that God has for them. Let's keep reading and see how good it is for the ones that are committed to the Lord. Verse Uh, 23. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delights in his way. Though he fall, he shall not be utterly cast down, for the Lord upholds with his hand. I have been young and now am old, yet I have not seen the righteous forsaken, nor his descendants begging bread. He is ever merciful and lends, and his descendants are blessed. Depart from evil 
and do good. Dwell forevermore. For the Lord loves justice and does not forsake his saints. They are preserved forever, but the descendants of the wicked shall be cut off. The righteous shall inherit the land and dwell in it forever. The mouth of the righteous speaks wisdom and his tongue talks of justice. The law of his God is in his heart. None of his steps shall slide. Do you see how good it is for those that commit their way to the Lord, that trust in him? There's a firm foundation upon which we stand, and the Lord is upholding us. The Lord will not leave him in his hand, nor condemn him when he is judged. Wait on the Lord, verse 34, and keep his way, and he shall exalt you to inherit the land. When the wicked are cut off, you shall see it. I have seen the wicked in great power and spread in himself like a native green tree, yet he passed away, and behold, he was no more. Indeed, I sought him, but he could not be found. Mark the blameless man and observe the right, for the future of that man is peace. When he says, mark the blameless man, in other words, pay attention to, take note of that person that lives that way and observe the upright for the future of that man is peace. Verse 38, but the transgressors shall be destroyed together. The future of the wicked shall be cut off, but the salvation of the righteous is from the Lord. He is their strength in the time of trouble and the Lord shall help them and deliver them. He shall deliver them from the wicked And save them. Why? Because they trust in Him. Do these passages of Scripture found here in Psalm 37 describe us today? If so, in what way? Are we on the path of righteousness? Or have we been infected by this world and its ways? And as we flip back now to Matthew chapter 5, verse 4 continues and says, Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. So again, do you see what the Lord is teaching His disciples here as He sits down with them? And as He sits down with us by His Spirit, here this morning and teaches us. Do you see what he's teaching us? This is what it truly means to be not of this world. Yes, in it, but not of it. That is, we are not to be like it in our ways. In so doing, we will be blessed. We will be comforted. We will obtain a great inheritance. Colossians 3.12 tells us that we are to put on tender mercies kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering. Again, this is contrary to the world. The world, again, teaches you to step on others, get all you can, gain, 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 strive after these things, right? But the Word, but the word of God teaches us something completely different. Jesus in Matthew chapter 11 and verse 29, we'll get there in the future, said, Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. Now, what did Jesus want us to learn about him? Well, he goes on in Matthew chapter 11, verse 29 to say, For I am gentle and lowly in heart. You see, this is how Jesus was 
when he walked on this earth, and it's how he wants us to be as well as his disciples. And in Matthew chapter eleven twenty nine, 29, Jesus said that the result of learning this way of life from him would be that you will find rest for your souls. So we're not supposed to be desiring this world. We're not supposed to be self-seeking yeah, and, and, and to be an all-about-me kind of person. Our hunger and thirst, that is our desires, should not be set on us being all that we can be. Jesus in verse 6 again tells us how to be blessed when he says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, like I brought up earlier, for they shall be filled. This should be what we are aiming for. This is living in a righteous manner in this temporary world, hungering and thirsting after righteousness, feeding on God's faithfulness. If you're hungry and you're thirsty for righteousness, you will be fi- filled, right? But if you're hunger and, and thirst for this world and you're self-seeking, right, you will be empty and you will be frustrated and you will be totally lacking peace. Jesus said, take my yoke upon you. It's easy. It's light. That's the way he wants us to go through this life. Right? You, you may, if you're self-seeking and you're doing all that other stuff, you may gather much stuff. You may be able to obtain many things in this world, but you will be internally empty. Starving in your soul and not really understanding why. And let me tell you something. Again, Satan quotes the word of God as well, right? And he'll just little by little get you sidetracked. Twist a little scripture over here that someone preaches or teaches and teach a little script or twist a little scripture over here just so you get out, you end up with all this twisted scripture and you think it's scripture, but it's been twisted. And then you end up way off the mark, way off the path, right? Chasing after this world and its philosophies and its ways will leave you empty and feeling like everything is in vain. And you know what it is, indeed it is, vanity. It's all vanity in this world because it's all passing away. And again, I am personally very sad and very sickened by the way the world has crept into what is called Christianity today. We find true comfort, we find peace, and we find rest for our souls only when we live in a manner that exemplifies that we are obedient to the Word of God. In other words, that's how we're living. What, it, what is written? What did Jesus say, okay, when we truly stand upon the Word of God, we find these things that we're studying here this morning, that they're in us, and we find we have peace, and God's given us the desires of our heart, and He's directing our paths by His Spirit. I exhort you to take some time today, take some time this week to see if a worldly Christianity has influenced you. Or are you truly seeking to be obedient to the Word of God and hungering and thirsting after righteousness and feeding on His faithfulness? And I'm going to cut this study off right here this morning. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank You again for Your Word, God. Thank You for Your Spirit, the Comforter, counselor, the one who teaches us and guides us and leads us into all truth. 
God, let your will be done in our hearts and minds, God. I pray that each one of us here, and I pray for those that listen via the internet that come upon these teachings as well, that, Lord, that you would place the desire in our heart to hunger and thirst for righteousness and to feed on your faithfulness and to drop this world, Lord, in its ways and to, to desire more and more of you and who you are and your will for our lives, Lord. As your disciples, Lord, we want that bread that you give, Lord, that bread of life. We want that water that you provide, Lord, that living water to well up within us, Lord. So let your will be done. And we thank you for this time together here this morning. In Jesus' name, amen.